Welcome to the serialized audiobook, Infected, book one of the Infected Trilogy. Written by number one New York Times bestselling novelist, Scott Sigler. Performed by the author. Infected is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash infected. Chapter 56, Company. Bill Miller knocked on Perry's door again. Enough was enough. Perry was home. Period. He'd logged on to his instant messenger not more than 30 minutes earlier and signed off as soon as Bill sent him a message. Bill had immediately hopped into his car, and now he was here, outside Perry's door. Perry could have signed on from anywhere in the world, of course, but his Ford was still under the carport awning, a foot of clean snow behind it. It hadn't moved for at least a couple of days. Bill knocked again. Nothing. Was Perry sick? Had he lost his temper, done something really bad, something he couldn't face? The guy was so sensitive about his violent streak, even a loud argument might fill him so full of guilt he couldn't face the day. Sick, guilty, whatever. Bill had to get to the bottom of this. His friend needed help, and that was that. He gave it one more triple knock. Perry, buddy, it's Bill. No answer. Perry, everyone's worried sick. You don't have to answer, but if you're there, let me know you're okay. No answer. He fished in the pocket of his leather coat for a piece of paper to leave a note. The hair on the back of his neck suddenly stood on end, caused by the peculiarly strong feeling that he was being watched. He looked up at the peephole, hand frozen in his pocket. He heard the door's chain lock slowly scrape aside, followed by the click of a deadbolt sliding back into its housing. The door opened slowly. Perry's hulking form came into view. Bill heard himself breathe in sharply, a comical sound of surprise. Perry looked like a Bruce Willis stand-in from one of the Die Hard movies, only bigger. His long-sleeved white t-shirt was spotted with blood, blood that looked black where it had dried in patches spreading down from the left shoulder. He stood on one leg, holding the door for balance. The other leg hung loosely beneath him, not touching the floor, like a hunting dog on point. The hanging leg had another t-shirt wrapped around its calf. Bill had no idea of that one's original color. It was now a deep, crusty burgundy, like clothes that had been dropped in the mud, taken off at the back door, and left to dry in the sun. Perry had a bruised bump on his head the size of a golf ball. An old scruff of bright red beard glowed electrically against his pale white skin. No, not like Bruce Willis. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Perry's muscles rippled with every movement, especially on his neck, which looked like steel cables wrapped tightly with veins, then with skin. Perry hadn't looked this defined, this big, this threatening, in years. Not since they'd been sophomores in college. Bill realized, suddenly, that by hanging out with him every day, he'd lost touch with the fact that Perry Dossie was a giant of a man. Despite the haggard appearance, Perry's eyes were his most attention-demanding feature. Not because of the fact that the skin around them was black and blue, either from a shot to the face or some serious lack of sleep, but from the look in the eyes, the spaced-out psycho look, like when Jack Nicholson axed his way through the door in The Shining. Bill had always been the type to trust his instincts. At this moment, his instincts yanked at him to leave, to get the fuck out of there right 
now. Fight-or-flight response kicking in with a 100% majority vote for flight. But Perry was obviously in trouble. Something was very, very wrong. Postal was the word that flashed through Bill's brain. Perry Dossie has gone postal. They both stood for a few seconds without speaking. Bill broke the interlude. Perry, are you okay? There was no fucking question. As soon as Perry opened the door and saw Bill standing there in his black leather jacket with his neatly trimmed hair and immaculate appearance, Perry knew for certain that he was one of the soldiers. Bill had been watching him all along. He might even be the one who put the triangle seeds on him. Who can tell of these crazy government fucks? When had they recruited Bill? After college? During college? How far back did this conspiracy go? Maybe that's why Bill had volunteered as a roommate so long ago. That made sense. That was logical. Bill had come back to check on the experiment. He'd probably freaked when Perry stopped going to work. When Perry filled out the online form, they sent Bill to look in on him. Why else would he be here right now? Bill was a fucking narc, waiting to sell Perry out to the soldiers. Well, the backstabbing, traitorous snitch wasn't going to be telling his government butt buddies anything. Not now. Not later. Not ever. I'm fine, Perry said. Come on in. He took a small hop back into the apartment, making room for Bill to enter. Strange odors filtered out of the open door. Bill's instincts clamored louder, swelling in volume and intensity, beseeching him to turn tail and run, baby, run. Well, uh, I have to be getting back to work, no doubt about it, Bill said. I just came to see if you were okay, buddy. You don't look so good. Are you sure you feel all right? Did Perry have any idea how bad he looked? Was he on drugs? Maybe strung out on heroin or something? Bill couldn't stop looking at his eyes, the way they burned with intensity and simmering emotions. Bill had seen that look many times during the past ten years. It was the look that came over Perry's face just before he punched someone. The look just before the snap of the ball. That look was predatory, and it meant serious trouble. But in those ten years, that look had never been fixed on Bill. Until now. Time to go. Bill looked scared. He obviously hadn't counted on Perry figuring out the plan. Nobody thought good old Perry was smart enough to figure out the plan. They'd underestimated him. Bill had underestimated him. And now that Bill knew the depth of his soon-to-be-fatal mistake, there was nothing he could do. Nothing except run. But scary Perry Dossie was way ahead of the game. Bill concentrated on speaking in a calm, neutral voice. Perry, you're freaking me out, and you look like you're about to get violent. He slowly backed away from the door. I'm going to leave now. You're going to go into your apartment and calm down. You relax, and I'll be back in a bit. Wait! Perry's word was a plea, pregnant with need, although he kept his voice almost as low and calm as Bill's placating tone. You gotta help me. I... I... Perry swayed a little bit, his one good leg sagging under him, 
I just can't. Perry collapsed, falling into the hall like a sack of rotten meat and bones. Bill instinctively reached out to help his friend. Perry knew that he would. People just couldn't help such things, especially the government people, because the government is here to help you, right? But for Bill, it was too late, too late to react. He tried to jump back, even before he saw the knife, but he was too close. He tried to jump back to get away, but Perry wasn't going to let that happen. As soon as Perry hit the floor, the rush of adrenaline blocked out all feelings of pain from his abused body. He rolled over his left shoulder and swung wide with a six-inch steak knife clutched unforgivingly in his right hand. The blade struck Bill's right inside thigh, sliding noiselessly through jeans, through skin, through quadriceps. It finally thudded to a stop at the femur, the tip embedding in the bone and snapping free. Perry watched Bill's eyes go wide with shock, fear, and pain. Bill stared down at the knife, at the blade sunk deep in his thigh. The blood didn't come until Perry wrenched the blade back for a second strike. Blood squirted out in a deep red stream, splattering on the hallway's off-white walls and landing on the burnt orange acrylic carpet that had been ugly even when it was new. Perry rolled up to his knees, head tilted forward, eyes flashing, lips curled in a demonic grin of anger and predation. He thrust the blade upward with the power of a knockout uppercut. Bill tried to jump clear, but his wounded leg wouldn't hold him. He fell weakly backwards, the knife's upward arc whizzing through the air, its jagged tip just barely missing Bill's face. Bill landed on his back, blood still gushing from his leg. Perry lurched forward, snarling, spittle flying from his sneering lips. He was a monster, a growling, six-foot-five vision from hell. He brought the blade down in an overhand thrust. Bill reactively brought his hands up, palms out to protect himself from the slashing knife. Perry's strength drove the ragged, broken knife point clear through Bill's upturned right palm. Jagged metal tore through cartilage, tendons, and scraped across metacarpals until the knife's wooden handle slammed into the palm, leaving five inches of the bloody blade jutting forth from the back of Bill's hand. Bill's eyes reactively closed as hot blood splattered on his face. He never saw Perry's left hand ball up into a gnarled fist. The fist blasted into Bill's nose with a muffled crunch. A second blow hammered home, spraying fine droplets of blood into his face and hair. Bill's traitorous body fell limp. Perry hopped off him immediately, grabbed his wrist, and hop-dragged him into the apartment. Bill weighed maybe a buck fifty. Dragging him was effortless, even with a bum leg. Perry shut and locked the door. He's not dead. Kill him. Kill him. Kill him. Kill him. Kill him. We're not going to kill him until I get some answers. Blood, steady and red, pulsed from the cut in Bill's thigh, giving his jeans a rapidly spreading dark purple patch. Kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him. Shut up! I'm not going to kill him! We're doing this my way! Bill had to have some answers, and Perry was going to hear every last one of them. The pure, narcotic effect of sheer hatred surprised him. Bill was the enemy. Perry wanted to kill the enemy. Bill was one of the soldiers, sent to experiment, then observe, then exterminate. Yes, indeedy duty, exterminate, but that's not going to happen, Billy boy. Bill let out a moan. He rolled slightly on the floor. He coughed and spit out a large clot of blood. Snarling, Perry jerked him to his feet and pushed him backward across the living room. Bill fell heavily into the couch. 
Perry's voice was a low rumble, a menacing drawl that hadn't escaped his lips in years. You want to get up when I hit you, boy? You gotta learn to stay down, unless you're ready for some more punishment. He grabbed Bill's wounded right hand, which spurted blood in all directions thanks to the knife still embedded in the palm. Perry wrapped his hand around the knife handle and drove it into the wall just above the couch. The jagged tip punched into the plaster, pinning Bill's hand. You like that snitch? You like that spy? Then let's get you a second helping. Perry hopped into the kitchen and grabbed another knife from the butcher's block. He didn't even glance at the chicken scissors. Moving almost as fast as if he'd had two legs, he then hopped into the bedroom and grabbed a wrinkled, dirty sock from the floor. Bill's head lolled from side to side as he struggled for consciousness, blood pouring from his leg, his hand, his nose. Please stop! Perry grabbed Bill's good hand. You talking to me, boy? You speak when you're spoken to. You gotta learn better than that. Perry shoved the sock into Bill's mouth, forcing the dirty fabric in so far that Bill gagged. With a primitive grunt of aggression, Perry slammed Bill's good hand against the wall, palm out. He reared back with the fresh knife, then drove the blade through Bill's exposed palm. Bill roared in pain, clarity of mind returning in full at a rather unfortunate moment. The dirty sock muffled his cries of agony. Bill tried to pull free, which made the blades cut deeper still into his ravaged hands. His body simply didn't have the strength. He slumped back into the couch, a portrait of defeat, his bleeding hand stretching out on either side of his limply hanging head. Neighbors, Perry said in a hiss, his eyes darting first to the window, then to the door. Goddamn nosy neighbors might be in on it. He hopped to the door and stared out the peephole. Even through the distorted view, he could see blood on the hallway's walls and carpeting. Someone would notice it. He didn't have much time. Time enough, however, to get some answers from the informant nailed to the wall. Kill him, kill him, kill him! Perry stared at Bill. His friend, Bill Miller. His friend. My God, what have I done? What's happening to me? He is Columbo. He is the soldiers. He can't be. He's here, isn't he? Why would he be here now if he wasn't Columbo? Kill him! They were right. The emails, the calls, that convenient instant message showing up at his door. Bill knew what was going on. He knew everything. How callous, how heartless could this bastard be? He had feigned friendship while watching the triangles grow and fester and swell and chew Perry up from the inside as if he were a fucking goddamn caterpillar. Bill had watched all along. But he could only watch it work. What about the rest of the time? What about all the time Perry spent at home, in the apartment, particularly in the last few days? How are they watching him then? Bugs? Hidden cameras? Watching his instant message and email traffic? Maybe behind a light. Maybe inside the TV. Maybe inside the damn TV. And if they'd watched him all that time, they were watching him now. They were watching him carve up Billy the Betrayer. They wouldn't just let that happen. They were coming. Coming to rescue Billy. Perry took Bill's head into his hands and stared into his glassy eyes. They'll be too late, Billy boy. You hear me? They'll be too fucking late to bail your ass out of this one. Bill screamed, but the sock muffled the noise. You'd best knock that shit off, boy, Perry said, still staring into Bill's terrified eyes, eyes that revealed searing pain and pure, raw terror. Quit your crying, boy, or I'll give you something to cry about. Bill screamed louder 
trying to pull back from the bull-necked horror before his eyes. Perry snarled as he grabbed Bill's broken nose and shook it viciously from side to side. Bill's body shuddered with fresh agony. He thrashed like a man in the electric chair, muscles contorting so violently that one knife-pierced hand pulled free from the plaster. The blade still jutted out from the back of his hand. Perry grabbed both Bill's blood-slick wrist and the knife handle, then slammed the blade back into the wall. This time, he felt a distinct and sudden resistance as the blade dug deep into a wall stud. Whole Billy Boy wasn't going to pull that one free any time soon. No siree, bub. Not any time soon. Bill fought down the pain. His mind freaked beyond the point of clear thought. Somehow, he found the inner power to stop screaming, stop struggling, despite this seemingly endless torture from a man whom only minutes before he'd known as his dearest friend. Perry leaned in, so close that Bill felt the heat from his breath. Perry held his fingers less than half an inch from Bill's nose, thumb and forefinger, ready to grab again at a moment's notice, ready to inflict more of that brain-shearing agony. Like I said, boy, stop your crying or I'll kill you right fucking now. Bill stared up through tears that refused to be blinked away. The friend-turned-psycho leaned over him, perched on one leg. Bill's fresh blood had smeared all over Perry's shirt, wetting the brown-black stains. The sock filled his mouth with a sickly, dry cotton feel. It tasted much as Bill imagined an old dirty sock should, moldy and suffocating. Warm blood continued to pour from his nose, down his face, and onto his chest. Blood from his punctured hands rolled down his arms to collect in wet pools at his armpits, soaking outward in an expanding, tacky-hot pit stain. How had this happened? He'd come to check on his best friend, and now he was crucified to the wall, staring up at the bloody, giant, wild-eyed, snarling, psychotic nightmare that was Perry Dossie in name only. Okay, Perry said in a whisper. Now I'm going to take the sock out of your mouth, and when I do, I'm going to ask you some questions. Whether you live or die is up to you. The second you scream, I'm going to pull that knife out of your hand and shove it through your eye and stir your brain like Skippy peanut butter. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot. And I don't give a fuck, but I think you know that already, don't you, Billy Boy? Do you know that I don't give a fuck, Billy Boy? Bill nodded in agreement. Perry's voice had grown calm, cold, and relaxed, but his eyes hadn't changed. Bill's chest felt packed with coppery terror. Fear filled his mind, leaving no room for thoughts of escape. Perry was in charge. Bill would do whatever he said, whatever it took, to stay alive. Oh, Jesus, don't let me die here. Don't let this happen, please. Oh, dear God, please. Good, Perry said. That's good, Bill. I'm sure you've been trained well and warned about the consequences of this mission, so I won't feel a bit of remorse. If your voice rises above conversational levels, you're not going to be having a whole lot of fun. Do you understand what will happen if your voice rises above conversational levels, Bill? Bill nodded again. Perry dropped to the couch, resting a knee on either side of Bill's thighs. Bill saw him grimace a bit, but then that fleeting expression vanished, the psychotic stare back in place. Suddenly, Perry looked away, his eyes losing focus. He seemed to be staring at the wall, or perhaps some point beyond the wall. His head cocked to the right ever so slightly. He looks like a dog listening to one of those ultrasonic whistles, Bill thought. Look, 
I'm telling you, he'll talk, Perry said. We don't need to kill him. Oh, Christ. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my Lord. He's completely insane. I'm going to die here. I'm going to die just like that. Perry spoke angrily to his unseen companion. Fuck off. This is my show now. You just shut up and let me think. Bill felt his spirit sag down, weighted with doom. There was no hope. Apparently, the voice stopped. Perry's stare returned, a piercing fixation that drilled into Bill's eyes, which were wide, white, and wet. Bill felt weakness slip over him, slowly pulling him into unconsciousness. This time, he didn't fight it. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Chapter 57, Dew on the Move. Dew pinched the uncomfortable, thick cellular between his shoulder and ear, steered with one hand, and with the other, punched an address into the Buick dashboard's GPS computer. How long since the client sent the form, Murray? About 20 minutes. Have we contacted him yet? There's no answer at the number he gave us. We've sent a return email, but no response there yet either. Send Margaret and her rapid response teams for me. I have to find the apartment complex. Tell the squads to get to Dossie's apartment complex, but do not enter. Tell them to wait for my call. Leave my three teams at Gwen's place to make sure the media doesn't get in till they finish scrubbing the place of any triangle references. Dew broke the connection and put the cellular away. He almost rear-ended an old woman driving a Civic. He leaned on the horn, trying to get her out of the way. It was Sunday, college on semester break, but there were still college kids crossing the street, slow and calm, like they owned the world, like they were immortal. Right about now, 
Dew would be more than happy to put that immortality up against the front bumper of the Buick. He swung into the wrong lane and passed the Civic. The GPS said he was 15 minutes away, but with traffic, it would probably take just over 20 to reach Dossie's apartment. Chapter 58 BFF, or Best Friends Forever Perry knew he didn't have much time. Either the soldiers were on their way, or Bill the Betrayer would soon bleed to death. The wet puddle on the couch grew steadily, as if Bill were pissing blood. Perry knew that if he timed it right, he could get the information and the soldiers could save his friend. Correction, his so-called friend. Bill's eyes glazed over, and his head sagged forward. Oh, no, you don't, you little informant. Perry slapped hard with his left hand. Bill's head shot back so fast, his temple bounced off the wall. The slap sounded red, warm, and satisfying. You don't know what suffering is, Billy boy, Perry thought, but I'm going to do my best to give you a little taste of what I've been through. Bill's scared rabbit look returned to his blood-smeared face. How could the soldiers use some weak ass like this? It was probably a trick. Yeah, trick. Bill was trying to lure him into overconfidence. That shit isn't going to trick me, Billy boy. No bow to doubt it. He was smarter than these fuckers. They didn't know what they'd started by fucking with a Dossie, because a Dossie doesn't take shit, no sir, no how. Perry reached out and pulled the sock from Bill's mouth. Bill breathed deeply, but other than that, he didn't make a sound. Perry licked his lips. He tasted blood. He didn't know if it was his or Bill's. Eager for the final answer, he leaned in close and asked his vital question. Who the fuck do you work for, and what are the triangles going to turn into? Perry's face was only inches from Bill's. The dark circles around Perry's eyes made it look as if he hadn't slept in days. The whites were so bloodshot that they took on a pinkish hue. Bright red stubble stuck out offensively. There were open sores on his lips. It looked like he'd bitten through them not very long ago. But that question. Triangle. Perry, what what are you talking about? Bill knew it was the wrong thing to say, but he couldn't think of another answer. Perry's eyes swelled with anger, adding to the already psychotic stare. Don't screw with me, Bill. His voice carried the threat of death. You and your little Jedi mind tricks can just fuck off. I'm not buying what you're selling, Junior. Now, I'll ask you again. What are the triangles becoming? Bill's breath came in short, ragged gasps. What was this madness? What did Perry want to hear? Bill tried to fight back tears of frustration and panic. Pain ripped through his body in a nonstop cacophony of raw nerves and cutting metal edges. It was so hard to think. He struggled for words, struggled to make sense of it all. I I don't know what you're talking about, Perry. It's me. It's Bill, for God's sakes. Why do you want to do this to me? A smile crept across Perry's face. He reached out for one of the knives that had Bill's hands impaled on the wall. Bill's body went rigid with white-hot tension. Getting a little loud in here, don't you think, Billy boy? I'm sorry, Bill said quickly, his hushed whisper filled with fear and pleading. I'm sorry, it won't happen again. Goddamn right it won't, Billy old sport. If it does happen again, 
you'll be dead before you can apologize. Your warnings are gone. You're in double jeopardy now, where the points can really add up. So I'll ask you just one more time. What are the triangles becoming? Bill's mind spun wildly for an answer. Anything that would keep him alive even a little bit longer. He had to come up with some bullshit and fast. But it was so hard to think. Impossible to concentrate. Perry was going to kill him. Ah, I don't know. They didn't tell me that. Like hell they didn't, Perry said, never losing his predatory stare. You got one more chance, Billy, and then I'm going to carve you up. Bill scrambled for an answer, but he couldn't make his mind focus past the pain, past the psychotic situation, past death that stared him in the face. What had Perry called him? The informant? Informant for what? For whom? What raving paranoid vision did Perry see through those bloodshot eyes? Perry, I I swear they didn't tell me! He watched the rage flare up in Perry's eyes. Bill kept talking, his voice a nasal, pleading, pitiful cry. It's not my fault they don't tell me anything. They just told me me to keep an eye on you. Let them know what you were doing. The words seemed to strike a chord. Perry's look changed, as if Bill's words answered some important question, but he still looked far from placated. Bill continued, clutching to one faint glimmer of hope. It's not my job to know what the hell they turned into. Perry nodded as if he accepted the story. Okay, maybe you know and maybe you don't. Just tell me who you're working for. Uh, I think you already know that. Bill held his breath, waiting for a violent reaction. The salty tang of blood mingled in his mouth with a tangible taste of fear. The flicker of hope glowed a bit brighter as Perry nodded and smiled. Dizziness swept over Bill. The room seemed to spin. He couldn't keep this up. Harry, you're you're out of control. You're paranoid. You're hallucinating. A shiver rippled through Bill's body. The apartment suddenly felt so cold, so icy cold. Black spots formed in front of his eyes, and another dizzy spell threw the room into crazy, unpredictable motion. The rat fucker was passing out again. Perry bitch-slapped him three times, three vicious lefts, each harder than the last. It felt good to lash out like that. You can't let people faint on you, not when you need information. All this pussy-ass narc needed was a little Dossie-style discipline, because you've got to have discipline. Bill blinked a few times, but his eyes were once again clear and lucid. Perry had hit so hard that his hands stung from the slaps. The right side of Bill's face started to swell almost immediately, growing red and plump like a ballpark frank. Kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him! Shut the fuck up! Perry had just about enough of the triangles. Oh, yes, sir, he had. They were in his house, after all. His house. And a Dossie was always master of his castle. He knew if he didn't take control, if he didn't take charge, he'd go crazy. He just couldn't stand it anymore. Couldn't stand that voice in his head every fucking minute of every fucking day. You shut your little mouth, or I swear as soon as I'm done with the informant here, I'll turn the Three Stooges into the dynamic duo, no matter what it does to me. There was an ultra-brief burst of high pitch as the triangles accessed dynamic duo. Then nothing. He felt something inside him change, as suddenly and definitely as the switch thrown on an electric chair. The power structure had just traded hands, He knew it, and the triangles knew it. 
He wasn't afraid of them anymore. It's my house, Perry thought. A confident smile parted his bleeding, cracked lips. It's my house, and you're all going to live by my rules. Bill's arms grew heavy, weak, yet he couldn't relax, couldn't let them drop and pull against the blades stuck through his palms. Only by keeping his hands very, very still could he maintain the pain at just below a screaming level. The tension of facing that agony and the fear he felt anticipating Perry's next move had his muscles taut with stress, tiring them quickly. Perry started blinking rapidly. He shook his head, violently, like a dog shaking off after a swim. Then he looked right at Bill, his bloodshot eyes suddenly wide with terror. Bill, help me, Perry said. The affected accent was gone. It was his friend again, not the creature that was torturing him to death. Perry! Bill fought for the words. He had to act now. Perry, you have to call. He wasn't sure how long he had before his strength gave out, and his hands fell, the weight pulling down against the knives and grinding torture. For some odd reason, that thought rang worse than the concept of a knife through the eye. How much longer till his arms would give out? He already felt the burn, his deltoids and biceps simmering with fatigue. He didn't have much time, not much time. Hard to believe he was going to die like this. Call the police! The words seemed to rebound inside Perry's head. He'd been free, free of their control for just a few seconds. He could have kept them at bay, too, would have. But Bill had to go and prove them right. Call the police, Bill had said. The motherfucking police. We told you. Could they sound smug? They sounded smug. Without conscious thought, Perry let go of his friendship for Bill Miller. Enough fucking around. He had to get the info and get it now. When are they coming for me, Billy? Bill said nothing. Perry grabbed a handful of shirt and roughly shook Bill to emphasize his words. When are they coming to get me? Bill's eyes showed clear and fearful for only a moment. Then he went glassy again for the last time. His head nodded down limply. He didn't move. Perry hit him until his own palms bled. It didn't make any difference. Bill wasn't coming out of it this time. Perry felt at Bill's neck. Not knowing how to check for a pulse, Perry checked his own neck, found the jugular, which beat strong and true. He probed the same spot on Bill's neck and felt nothing. Kill him. You've got to kill him now. Please do it now. You got your wish. He's dead. The informant's eyes remained open, fixed in a perpetual, empty, half-lidded stare. Perry stood on his good leg and looked at the corpse. Bill was dead. A traitor's death and well-deserved. He'd been one of them. No bout a doubt it. You have been listening to Infected, book one of the Infected Trilogy, by Scott Sigler. Performed by the author. Produced by Empty Set Entertainment. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth 
of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.